the podcast for St. Joseph and Elkhart counties that reads like an audio newspaper. This is SME Community Radio Newscast powered by Anchor.fm. I'm Sergeant Kayla Miller with Michiana Crime Stoppers. The Plymouth Police Department is investigating the disappearance of 11-month-old Mercedes Lane. Mercedes, as you can see here, is a white female, 2 feet tall, 19 pounds, with blonde hair and brown eyes. Mercedes was last seen with 37-year-old Justin Lee Miller on Thursday, August 12th at 9 p.m. Justin and his vehicle have been recovered and he has been arrested for neglect of a dependent. But Mercedes is still missing and believed to be in extreme danger and may need medical attention. At the request of local law enforcement, Michiana Crime Stoppers is offering a reward of up to $1,000 for any information that leads to Mercedes being found or the solving of her disappearance. You can provide anonymous tips by calling Michiana Crime Stoppers at 574-288-STOP or 800-342-STOP. You can also use our P3 app or head over to our website. Remember, it's our community. It's your call. Good morning. It is hump day, August 18th, 2021. My name is Keith Thews. Good morning to you. I hope you're glad to be halfway through the work week. Please, most importantly, keep an eye out for this little girl, Mercedes. Uh, She needs to be found as quick as possible. Her parents were arrested, charged with neglect of a dependent. The FBI is investigating the situation. But if you are in Marshall County or St. Joe County, please keep an eye out for this girl. She's real young. Help search for her. If you do find her, please contact authorities at 911 as soon as possible. The other thought this morning is Elkhart County had a death from the storm uh, indirectly as a vehicle crashed into a fallen tree that was not clearly marked at the time of the accident. Just around the corner from my house, Uh, I remember coming home last Thursday to see numerous emergency vehicles parked around my house, not in my driveway, from the storm that I showed you on the video. Well, apparently there was uh, the tree at the time of the accident was not clearly marked, and uh, somebody ran into it, injuring and killing one in the vehicle. So it pays to understand that uh, you need to keep a close eye out um, for your surroundings, especially during uh, after-storm situations. Elkhart County is still investigating the situation, so uh, be careful during uh, post-storm damage environments. Finally, we're getting a lot of uh, back-and-forth discussions on our Facebook page about Afghanistan Some are becoming quite heated. I ask all of you to please remain civil and to follow our station guidelines when making posts. We've already had one post that violated the rules because of cussing and others that are coming close to violations of rules. So please stick within our boundaries and uh, everything will work out just fine. All right, so let me go ahead and continue on the news with News Nation and others. I will be back with a show this afternoon, hopefully with some interviews. 
Take care. Stay safe, Oakhart County. You have a dense fog advisory this morning. Be careful on the roads. News Nation this hour, I'm James Sears. It's getting harder for people to evacuate Afghanistan. The White House says the Taliban promised safe passage to the airport, but has set up checkpoints. The militant group insists it has changed, their leader vowing not to take revenge on anyone who fought against them. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. The Taliban have informed us that they are prepared to provide the safe passage of civilians to the airport, and we intend to hold them to that commitment. More than 3,200 people are now evacuated out of Afghanistan. At least 1,100 were flown out yesterday. More are expected today. The U.S. Air Force is investigating the death of several civilians in connection to an aircraft that took off from the Kabul airport Monday. They're also investigating whether civilians fell from the plane as it was taking off and investigating human remains discovered in the wheel well of the aircraft. More hospitals are at their breaking point amid the COVID surge. Alabama is the latest to run out of ICU beds. Mississippi reports an extreme shortage. Same for Hawaii. Texas only has about 300 beds left. Oregon predicts it could short 500 beds by next month. President Biden is preparing to lay out plans for a COVID booster shot today. He's expected to say most people will need a third dose eight months after being fully vaccinated due to the surging Delta variant. News Nation correspondent Joe Khalil. The CDC recommends that elderly people and those who are immunocompromised get a booster shot. We'll have to wait and see what the White House says or what the FDA says if they approve it for the general population or if they follow the CDC recommendations. Data will reportedly show immunity from the vaccine's declines over time. Opening statements begin today for R&B singer R. Kelly in New York. He's accused of sex trafficking women and girls. The 54-year-old has been locked up since 2019, awaiting trials in four separate state and federal sex crimes cases. This trial will last six to eight weeks. United Airlines is reminding workers not to use duct tape to restrain unruly passengers. A staff memo urges alternative measures to de-escalate situations. This comes after at least three cases of passengers duct taped on American Airlines and Frontier flights. And former NFL star Brett Favre is urging parents not to let kids under the age of 14 play tackle football. In a new PSA, he says the longer people play tackle football, the more likely they are to develop a fatal brain disease. He says he could have the disease and be unaware of it. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm James Sears. It's probably a little bit like you. There was a lot of talk about the COVID-19 vaccines. I didn't know what to believe, and I tell you, everyone has an opinion. Some of my friends got vaccinated and some were against it. But I knew this was an important decision, so I went to somebody I already trusted, my doctor. It's your call, so talk to your doctor or healthcare provider and make the decision that's right for you. You can go to GetVaccineAnswers.org for the latest information. That's GetVaccineAnswers.org, brought to you by the Ad Council. Facing questions about the Taliban's return to power, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan explained why President Biden refused to ramp up the number of U.S. forces. What has unfolded over the past month has proven decisively that it would have taken a significant American troop presence, multiple times greater. Sullivan said presidents must consider all costs and benefits and make tough choices. He said the U.S. will remain vigilant against terror without a permanent military presence in Afghanistan. Greg Clugston, Washington. 
Following chaos and death at the Kabul airport earlier this week, the White House says evacuations are moving forward. On Tuesday, the U.S. military conducted 13 flights, evacuating approximately 1,100 American citizens, U.S. permanent residents, and their families. A White House official says a total of 3,200 people have been evacuated from Afghanistan, and they expect those numbers to escalate. With the Taliban taking control, life is likely to get tougher for the country's small community of believers. International Christian Concern says, quote, what small hope there was for religious freedom under the former government has now all but dissipated. Daniel Patterson of the Southern Baptist Convention says, quote, clearly a humanitarian crisis is unfolding and both prayer and immediate action are urgently needed. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Health officials will be holding a Wednesday press briefing, and President Biden is scheduled to give remarks on the COVID-19 response effort, amid reports that the government will soon recommend an extra dose of the vaccine for all Americans eight months after they got their second shot. A booster is likely to be recommended because of the highly contagious Delta variant and the original shots losing their effectiveness over time. Greg Clugston, Washington. From the Black Information Network. This is the BIM Daily Update. I'm Vanessa Tyler. And I'm Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. It was the cop killing many say launched the Black Lives Matter movement. California officials announced they will take another look at the shooting death of Oscar Grant at the request of Grant's family. It was 2009. Grant was on a BART train platform. Video shows one white cop kneeing Grant and forcing him to the ground. Another cop shoots him. That cop, charged with murder, was convicted of manslaughter. There was even a movie about the case titled Fruitvale Station. U.S. intelligence agencies were reportedly warned about a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan earlier this summer. According to the New York Times, previous intelligence reports indicated Afghan security forces were weakening and the government could ultimately collapse. The Times says a report from July affirms that the capital, Kabul, was increasingly vulnerable to a potential attack. President Biden has consistently downplayed the possibility of a quick collapse of the Afghan government. The drug dealers on the streets of New Orleans, Louisiana, had a name for him. They called him White Devil. His name is Chad Scott, and he is convicted of being a dirty DEA agent. For that, Scott will serve more than 13 years in prison for stealing money from suspects, falsifying records, and committing perjury. Prosecutors say Scott was more dangerous than the most hardened heroin dealers. And they say the man who was supposed to to be on the right side of justice broke every law in the book. The blood is spilling in western Niger. Reports are armed jihadists rolling up on motorbikes opening fire, leaving 37 civilians dead. The victims were working in a field. Sources say they did not care who they killed. Among the victims were four women and 13 children. Reports say the attackers shot at anything that moved. That white Florida teacher who was removed from her classroom after she displayed a Black Lives Matter flag and and refused to take it down, just settled with the Duval School Board for $300,000. Amy Donofrio, the now former teacher, argued she was removed from her teaching duties as a form of retaliation, and the school violated her free speech. The Southern Poverty Law Center represented her. The school board decided to settle to avoid a costly court case. 
A black mother from Tennessee really wants to get into kids' heads as they start the new school year. Actually, she wants to get on their heads. The Nashville single mom braids hair for free. First, she thought she'd have just a few kids, but when Brittany Starks posted her services online, well, you can imagine. I had a lady, she had five kids. She was living in a hotel and she needed her kids' hair done. And I'm like, I kept getting stories like that and I'm like, I can't, I can't stop. And they're like, my friends was like, if you can't do it, why would you? I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't say no. And she hasn't said no. She's done dozens of cornrows, which takes four to five hours per head. And she even had to recruit friends to help. Everyone leaves looking so adorable with their heads ready to get into the books. I'm Vanessa Tyler with Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. This episode is brought to you by Experian. Staying in shape isn't easy, except when it comes to your credit. Keep it strong with Experian Boost. It's the only way to raise your FICO score instantly and for free. And better credit scores can help you save money in lots of ways, like lower interest rates. Go to Experian.com boost or download the Experian app to get started. Results may vary. Visit Experian.com for details. This episode is brought to you by The Skim. Need career advice and find yourself buried in Google searches? Listen to 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. Each week, The Skim interviews women at the top of their game, like Gail King and Bumble's Whitney Wolfherd. It's the work toolkit you never knew you needed. Join us every Wednesday to get the most out of your career and follow 9 to 5-ish with The Skim wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Redbubble. School. In person. Like, with people. And pants. Are you ready? It's okay if you dramatically screamed no, because Redbubble is here to help. They connect you to millions of stickers, pins, tees, and more. All with designs of whatever you're into. From a pug on a mug to a pug in a mug on a poster. Find your thing at redbubble.com. I'm Mike Stevens. And I'm Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Last year when COVID-19 hit, we didn't know what to expect. That's true, and a lot has happened since then related to the coronavirus, including in the last few months when Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey also said this. And with ample supplies of the COVID-19 vaccine on hand, people feel safer. Yeah, but back then, nobody could have predicted the COVID Delta strain would jump up so fast in so many places. But Governor Ducey has now issued an executive order banning cities and counties from enforcing vaccine mandates for their workers. And he says violators could end up in jail and face large fines. To be clear, the governor encouraged Arizona residents to get the COVID shot, saying it's safe, effective, and free. But he believes getting one is a personal choice. Another company is telling workers they have to provide proof of vaccination before coming back into the office. This has to be done by October 1st. But Bloomberg is also reporting investment bank Morgan Stanley has not yet set a deadline for employees to go back into the office because of the COVID surge. Family members of 64-year-old Milton Roberts of Toledo, Ohio, wanted the black woman who admits to killing him to get the 
maximum sentence. But that didn't happen. Prosecutors say when 25-year-old Lanisha Walls caught the man allegedly burglarizing her apartment, she not only shot him once, but relatives say she stood over him and fired several more times. They call her a cold-blooded killer. She could have received a life-in-prison sentence, but she only got six to eight years in a plea deal. There continues to be questions about whether corporate America is keeping its promises stemming from last year's summer of social justice protests to bring in more African-Americans to important high-level jobs. But there is one that's definitely being elevated. Black attorney Joya Johnson has been named to the region's financial corporation board. Johnson is the third black director of the Birmingham, Alabama-based bank. Are you familiar with the term cultural appropriation? It's when the majority takes something like a fashion or music or slang from a minority group without giving them the credit, which has happened so many times to black people over the years. For example, when white actress Bo Derek got much attention for wearing braids in the late 1970s as if she discovered them. It was actually something black people had been wearing going back 5,000 years in Africa, and it's considered by many to be black art. Along the same line, some wonder whether this popular commercial is another example. Because I want what I want from all my favorite stores. <laughs> Cashback so crazy. Uh-huh. It's time for Big Give Week, baby. Now, in the commercial, a woman with heritage from India and a white man rap and lip sync with a takeoff on a popular salt and pepper song with what you might call a black vibe. So some say, why not just use black people in the commercial? Just something to think about. I'm Mike Stevens with Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. The kids are going back to school soon, and that means you'll need dinner ideas. Lots of them. But with your busy schedule, finding the time to plan, prep, and cook nutritious meals for your family can be a struggle. Thankfully, a company called Real Eats has a solution. They discovered a restaurant industry secret that makes it simple to enjoy real food, reduce waste, and support local farms. Real Eats delivers chef-prepared, nutritionist-approved meals made with real ingredients right to your doorstep, all for as little as $8.33 per meal. Their meals are fully prepared and delivered fresh, never frozen, so they can be on your table in just six minutes. Choose from a menu that includes steak, shrimp, chicken, salmon, and even vegetarian dishes. Try Real Eats now and save big. Head to realeats.com and use code MEALS80 to get $20 off each week for four weeks, plus free shipping. That's R-E-A-L-E-A-T-S dot com. And use code M-E-A-L-S-8-0 for $80 off your first four weeks, plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus. stream all your favorites with the Disney Bundle. Disney Plus has Loki and Luca. On Hulu, watch originals like American Horror Story and Nine Perfect Strangers coming this month. And ESPN Plus has every match of Spain's thrilling La Liga. Get the Disney Bundle for only $13.99. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. See thedisneybundle.com for details. How much care do you put into your eye care? We all put so much into what we eat, how we exercise, and skincare. That one's huge. But when our eyes are dry and irritated, a lot of us aren't doing as much as we could. That's why BioTrue Hydration Boost Eye Drops are here, to provide instant moisture, because your eyes deserve it. And with no preservatives, 
and naturally inspired ingredients like an antioxidant, electrolyte, hyaluronin, your tears on moisturizer. BioTrue is eye care that cares about your eyes. Your money on the Black Information Network. Hyatt Hotels is adding even more properties to its portfolio. The Illinois-based company has bought Apple Leisure Group for $2.7 billion. ALG operates around 100 hotels in different countries. KKR and KSL Capital Partners sold Apple Leisure Group to Hyatt after buying it just four years ago. The FDA is issuing a recall on a popular brand of cookie cake sold at Walmart. Packages of market-side chocolate candy cookie cake may contain peanuts, though it doesn't say that on the package's list of ingredients. For specific product coding, or if you think that you might have some of the recalled product on hand, check the FDA's website or check with your local Walmart store. Also, federal safety regulators are looking into at least 11 wrecks involving Tesla cars using autopilot or other self-driving features that crashed into emergency vehicles when coming up on the scene of an earlier wreck. CNN reports the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration said seven of those accidents resulted in 17 injuries and one death. Money news at 24 and 54 minutes past each hour. I'm Julius White on the Black Information Network. You know their best-selling albums, sold-out concerts, and iconic music videos. Now, find out the stories behind the songs, behind the stars, and behind the drama with Behind the Music, a new podcast from MTV and iHeartRadio, featuring the stories behind some of the biggest names in music, including 50 Cent, Madonna, ACDC, and many more. Ready to find out what really happened? Go beyond the headlines and get the story behind the music. Listen to Behind the Music on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, it's Brian Baumgartner, and you do not want to miss the next episodes of The Office Deep Dive. Billie Eilish is calling in right now if you want to say hello to her. Really? She really is. Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Listen to The Office Deep Dive on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Baratunde Thurston, host of Force Multiplier, a new podcast about leveling up the impact we can have on the world through our relationships. Whether we're talking about health inequity, nutrition insecurity, or racism, we're facing unprecedented challenges that require unprecedented collaboration across disciplines and sectors. Join me as I sit with leaders from across the public, private, and nonprofit worlds who are forging partnerships to take action on some of the toughest challenges facing us today. Welcome to Force Multiplier, an iHeartRadio original podcast with Salesforce.org. Let's change the world, one relationship at a time. Listen to Force Multiplier on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download the BIN Daily Update every morning on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. And we remain committed to completing evacuations, including our Afghan colleagues, as soon as possible. The Taliban must respect and facilitate the safe departure 
of all those who wish to leave. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg discusses the organization's decision to end the military operation in Afghanistan. The Secretary General blamed the Afghan leadership for failing to stop the Taliban from taking control of the country and expressed surprise at the speed of the collapse. A Taliban spokesman promised Tuesday that the insurgents who overran Afghanistan in recent days would respect women's rights and would not exact revenge. An Axios-Ipsos poll shows that 69% of Americans support masking requirements in schools, while only 30% oppose such measures. Just 33% said they were supportive of bans on mask mandates. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. We're going to have to very carefully consider and continue to evaluate uh, whether or not we need to bring back a statewide mask mandate. That's where we are. The Biden administration reported it is close to advising fully vaccinated Americans to get COVID-19 booster shots eight months after their last vaccine. The boosters would be intended to protect against the highly contagious Delta variant. The recommendations are expected to be announced today. Meanwhile, five states, Florida, Louisiana, Hawaii, Oregon, and Mississippi have reached their highest ever seen seven-day averages in new coronavirus infections, surpassing even the horrific winter surge. One in five hospitals report more than 95% of their ICU beds are occupied, a figure that has doubled in just the past few weeks. More than 7 million Americans are set to lose their unemployment aid immediately after Labor Day. Gig workers and other unemployed Americans receiving aid through the programs created for the pandemic will see those checks and the $300 weekly federal supplement end on September 7th. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell at a virtual town hall. We can see that the pandemic has changed our economy in some important ways. Only time will tell how lasting these changes will be. But I think we know that we're not simply going back to the economy we had before the pandemic. The nation's top auto safety watchdog has launched a formal investigation of Tesla's driver assistance system after nearly a dozen crashes involving parked emergency vehicles occurred while autopilot was engaged. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration inquiry covers Teslas produced from 2014 to 2021. The Bureau of Reclamation has declared the first ever water shortage emergency on the Colorado River, a waterway that serves 40 million Americans. Lake Mead, the largest reservoir in the U.S. by volume has drained at an alarming rate this year. I'm Nadia Ramlagan for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Mask up, America. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, August the 18th, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. Today, a Connecticut labor union will deliver a letter to the owner of a McDonald's franchise asking that workers be reinstated who lost their jobs during the pandemic shutdown. The union 32BJ, SEIU Connecticut, believes the four longtime workers weren't asked to return to work because they had taken part in union organizing efforts for better wages and working conditions. Alberto Bernardez, the union district leader, says part of a July 13th Connecticut law requires employers to recall certain laid-off workers in order of seniority, but he alleges that new employees have been hired since. 
So they are by nature and also no law. They have to recall those workers. And we're going to continue this fight until they do so. In June 2020, 32BJ brought charges against Michel Enterprises before the National Labor Relations Board. The board determined the case had merit. The case was argued in January and is under review. I'm Michaela Savitt reporting. Seven workers in total are hoping to get their jobs back at the chain. Only four went to trial. Due to a recent COVID exposure, the date of the delivery of the letter to the franchise headquarters is now uncertain. And the New York Times reports the city of Chicago and state of New Mexico will reimpose an indoor mask mandate for all people older than two beginning Friday in an effort to slow the spread of the coronavirus as case rates rise. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently updated its guidance to recommend that everyone wear masks indoors in areas with high case numbers, regardless of vaccination status. Now to Ohio, where the state's redistricting commission will host 10 public hearings next week to gather input on the state's map-making process after receiving the once-in-a-decade population data from the U.S. Census. The hearings are part of reform measures passed in 2015 and 2018 that require the seven-member commission to thoroughly engage Ohioans in the redistricting process. However, Katie Shanahan with the advocacy group All on the Line says the schedule will make the meetings difficult to attend for anyone who works nine to five. So that's not incredibly accessible for folks who work during those hours, who are caretakers, families. There are also no options for virtual testimony, which is, of course, concerning given the resurgence of COVID and our numbers in Ohio are, are really dire at the moment. The commission is also working on plans to allow people to submit their own map ideas. I'm Emily. Scott. According to the census, Central Ohio is one of the fastest growing sections of the state, with Delaware County's population up nearly 23%. However, as a state, population growth was almost stagnant, meaning Ohio will lose one U.S. House seat. This is PNS. Pell Grants are a lifeline for many students attending college, but the federal aid covers far less than it used to. Eric Tadoff reports that's why student groups, colleges, and universities are urging the Congress to pass a measure to double the amount allotted to students. The maximum Pell Grant for this academic year is about $6,500. Jim Brooks, Director of Student Financial Aid and Scholarships at the University of Oregon, says many have criticized the grants for not keeping up with the cost of college. If you think about $13,000 in cost of attendance, that would have a big impact on students everywhere. So personally, as someone who's been a Pell recipient and has worked with lots of students at more than one institution who are Pell eligible, I think doubling Pell would be incredible. In the past, Pell Grants covered as much as three-quarters of the cost of attending a public university. Today, it covers less than a third. About 90% of Pell Grants go to families with incomes below $50,000. America's rural population decline has been well-documented, with more people flocking to urban areas, but a new report in Iowa says that isn't happening in all small towns. Iowa Watch reviewed nearly 60 towns of 5,000 or fewer people, in a number of cases, communities have seen populations hold steady, according to recent census data. In southern Iowa, Bloomfield, with a population of just under 2,700, has seen a slight gain in residents over the past decade. Mayor Dan Wiegand cites a commitment of locals to support each other. And that probably is one of the things that kind of helped us during COVID was staying open as more people, I think, shopped locally and did things locally because, you know, there was more mandates that the bigger stores 
away from here. People tried to do what they could local. The research found other common traits of thriving small towns include the infrastructure for high-speed internet, health care availability, and unique attractions. I'm Mike Moen. Finally, our Lily Bulky tells us the U.S. Forest Service has released its draft management plan for the Grand Central Mesa National Forests. The plan includes a significant increase in the amount of land that would be available for logging, and groups that advocate for public lands are raising concerns that it recommends only 34,000 acres of new wilderness across the forest. Forest plans are revised roughly every 15 years, and Allison Elliott, a former board member at the Western Slope Conservation Center, says there's no time to waste. That's just a small fraction of what could be set aside and designated as wilderness. So to be able to protect wilderness and wildlife and water, watersheds, this is the moment. Comments can be submitted online or at an open house event and webinar hosted by the Forest Service on Zoom. Support for this reporting provided by the Pew Charitable Trusts. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service member and listener supported Harlem radio stations, big and small, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Today's episode is sponsored by Comcast. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's August 18th, and we made it to Wednesday. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. What the new school year looks like for parents across America. Plus, companies prioritize employee mental health. But first, the language around COVID boosters is today's one big thing. Today, President Biden is expected to announce his administration's recommendation for a third dose of the COVID vaccine for all vaccinated Americans. This follows the CDC and FDA approval last week of a third shot for those who are immunocompromised. We've had a lot of questions about what to expect with a third dose. And Axios' healthcare editor, Tina Reed, is here now to help answer some of those questions. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Nyla. Tina, this whole thing came to my attention because a listener, Kristen, who's a pharmacist, texted me about the language we've been using. Is there an important distinction we should make between the idea of a third dose versus a booster? There is. And I will say there are a little bit of semantics going on, but they are valuable. What the data has shown is that among some immunocompromised people, they haven't had as robust response to the vaccine as people who are otherwise healthy. And they're trying to make up for that with a third dose of one of these MNRA vaccines. When we talk about boosters in the way that many people think about boosters, that is really an additional set of antibodies as they see waning immunity from the vaccine. And that's in healthy people. We keep hearing this term immunocompromised. When it comes to a third dose of the vaccine, Who specifically is the administration talking about? The CDC has said those eligible include those who are receiving active cancer treatment, who have received an organ transplant or are taking medicine to suppress their immune system, those who have received a stem cell transplant within the last two years, those who were born with moderate or severe primary immunodeficiencies or who have advanced or untreated HIV infection. It doesn't apply to those whose immune systems are mildly impaired by chronic illnesses like diabetes or heart disease. We're supposed to hear from President Biden on this later today. What are you watching for him to say? 
So the White House's COVID-19 team are going to hold this briefing to discuss the next step for boosters. Today, we do expect that the Biden administration will be talking about numbers in terms of how many vaccines we have. But the administration has said that um, they've been planning for the eventuality that we would need boosters and that they would have enough boosters for for everyone in the U.S. These vaccines could potentially begin in late September, and it, they seem to be indicating that it would be among healthcare workers and nursing home residents and uh, potentially the elderly. Axios Healthcare Editor, Tina Reed. Thanks, Tina. Thank you, Nyla. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the Delta variant's effect on your family's back-to-school plans. Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach 50 million low-income Americans with the tools and resources they need to succeed in a digital world. Learn more at comcast.com education. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Yesterday, we heard how the L.A. Unified School District, the second largest in the country, is handling the new school year in the time of the Delta variant. We know parents all over the country have been grappling with this. So we wanted to hear from some of you, as well as some of our own Axios colleagues. Hi, Nyla. This is Ray W. from Atlanta, Georgia. I work for Cobb County School District, and my two children attend Cobb County Schools as well. Our superintendent has insisted on making masks optional instead of mandated. Students who are identified as close contacts are allowed to return to school the following day as long as they are asymptomatic and agree to wear a mask for 10 days. And when students decide to self-quarantine, their absences are unexcused. After the first week, there were 253 cases in the county. And after the second week, the cumulative number was up to 822. Hi, I'm Russell Contreras, the race and justice reporter for Axios, based in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. For a week now, we've been taking my seven-year-old daughter, Ava, to school. All students have to wear masks, but during the drop-off, not all parents are wearing masks. Over the weekend... We all got sick, and now we're waiting for results from our COVID test. Hey, Nyla. I have twins entering preschool this year, and so far my biggest problem has been trying to get meet the teacher scheduled. Instead of just everyone showing up during this two-hour period and risk a spreader event, the poor teachers are having to schedule from like two to seven on whatever day. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm dealing with so far. I'm Margaret Tolov, Axios's Managing Editor for Politics. As my daughter, Abby, gets ready to start her senior year of high school, I'm excited for her, but I'm also really nervous. You know, she spent the last year and a half going to school in her bedroom and grappling with that kind of low-grade depression um, that, like, every teenager in America has been struggling with uh, since the pandemic started. But there's a lot that we just don't know yet about how the Delta variant is really going to behave once kids go back um, or any of the variants that are going to come after Delta. She has been vaccinated, but I got COVID in February and I was seriously ill and she escaped it then. And I just hope that the vaccine will protect her now. Thanks to Ray, Russell, Chad and Margaret. You can always send me your thoughts by texting me like they did at 202-918-4893. 
With every twist and turn of this pandemic that seems like it's never going to end, our mental health suffers, which is why that's quickly becoming a top concern for companies trying to hold on to workers. Axios's Erica Pandy has been tracking this new workplace priority. Good morning, Erica. Morning, Nyla. So we're talking about burnout, but we're also talking about a rise in addiction and overdoses across the country. There's a lot of different things going on under the category of mental health. Right. I mean, we've been talking about one public health crisis, which is this, you know, coronavirus pandemic. But there's this kind of second pandemic of mental health. You know, people have gone through loss. They've gone through isolation. And on top of that, the opioid crisis that we've been dealing with before the pandemic and will continue to deal with after it has gotten worse. Drug overdose deaths are going up. Addictions are going up. All of this is seeping into the workplace. What are employers doing about this? Employers are trying out a few different strategies. They're doing mental health days. They're offering online therapy. But there needs to be a more of a cultural shift here, right? Like, companies are used to asking workers about work progress, but there isn't really a culture in the U.S. of checking in on people's mental health. And so managers are going to have to learn how to do that, especially if we're going to be remote or hybrid for longer, because, you know, when you're out of sight, you're out of mind. You're getting those questions about how you're doing, how your mind is doing even less. And what are you hearing from companies about how they're specifically trying to tackle employee mental health? Certainly taking a day off is not going to help if you have a problem with addiction or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it's it's offering resources to employees. So whether that's therapy sessions, whether that's, you know, helping them or family members get connected to help for addiction, there's all kinds of different things that companies can do. But that starts with just taking the pulse of your workforce and, and making sure there's no stigma anymore. You know, one one thing that really shocked me is the survey that the, the insurance company, the Hartford, did. 72% of employers say the stigmas associated with mental health and addiction are keeping their workers from seeking help. And that, I think, is is kind of the number one problem to tackle right now. Erica Pandy is one of the authors of the What's Next newsletter. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Nyla. Before we go today, it's been a tough news cycle, and I will share one way I like to cope with stress. I bake. I have been baking a lot this week. Maybe you just like eating baking. So on that front, from the Girl Scouts, some big food news yesterday. A new cookie in next year's lineup called the Adventureful. The Girl Scouts describe it like this, and I'm quoting, a brownie-inspired cookie with caramel-flavored cream and a hint of sea salt. That's all we've got for you today. You can always leave us feedback by emailing us at podcasts at axios.com, or you can message me directly on Twitter. And if you have a minute to leave us a review on Apple, we'd really appreciate it because it helps other people find our podcast. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Comcast has built a broadband network with one simple purpose, to keep customers connected. In the last 10 years, they have invested $30 billion to keep America's largest gig speed broadband network fast, secure, and reliable. And they work around the clock to build a better network every single day. Learn more at Comcast.com slash network. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. 
Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. And if there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around. And I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself. And me never just wanting to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike? And you didn't. I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves. And all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Detailed forecast today, Elkhart County until 9 a.m. has a dense fog advisory. Be careful driving. A slight chance of showers between noon and 2 p.m., then a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m. Areas of fog before 11 a.m., otherwise, mostly cloudy, with a high near 83. East wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 20%. Tonight, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., then a slight chance of showers between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. Patchy fog after 2 a.m., otherwise, mostly cloudy, with a low around 66. North wind around 5 mph becoming calm in the evening. Chance of precipitation is 20%. Thursday, a slight chance of showers, then a chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m. Patchy fog before 10 a.m., otherwise, partly sunny, with a high near 84. Calm wind. Chance of precipitation is 30%. Thursday night. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., mostly clear, with a low around 66. Calm wind. Friday. Sunny, with a high near 86. Calm wind becoming southeast around 5 miles per hour in the afternoon. Friday night. Mostly clear, with a low around 67. Hi. I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church and welcome again to Happy and Whole in Him. James 3 is likely the most popular message in the Bible about the most powerful muscle in the body, our tongues. James begins, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We saw yesterday that one of the most hazardous occupations is that of the teacher. Teachers will be judged with more severity because of their ability to influence others with their words. But this passage is not just for teachers. James adds in verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, and James just said we all stumble, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. James' point is that no one is perfect. And we are all prone to stumble the moment we start wagging our tongues. Friends, though, we can thank God that he did send a perfect man, our Lord Jesus Christ, who did bridle his tongue and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, speaking good words about you and I. And we can thank Jesus also for inspiring James to instruct us regarding our own tongues. James now gives two illustrations to explain just how powerful this muscle really is in relation to its size. James compares the tongue to a horse's bit and a ship's rudder. Verse 3, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder 
wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. These two instruments were common in James' day. We might use the steering wheel of a car as an illustration now. Even the smallest car, it's too heavy for an individual to pick up and carry. But even a weak person can use a steering wheel and guide the car wherever they want. Just like a rider could guide a large horse with a small piece of metal in the mouth. And in James' day, there were boats that could carry a thousand people. Think of the size. And yet these huge vessels were guided by a relatively small piece of wood sticking out of the back. And James says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Do you realize that your tongue is this powerful? It steers the course in life. Now initially it seems James is saying that the person who controls the tongue can control the rest of the body. In fact, one commentator says, just as the bit and rudder really do master the violence of the horse and of the storm, so the tongue is the key factor in controlled living. Do you agree with this? Is this what James is saying to us? Does James say, control the tongue and you got the rest covered? No, actually James is going to say in verse 8 that no one can tame the tongue. James is setting us up for chapter 4 and our need for grace. I mean, consider these illustrations. For the horse, it is the rider, by use of a bit, who directs the animal. For the ship, it's the pilot's will that then uses the rudder to guide the vessel. For you and I, it is our heart which moves our tongue and guides our person. James is making clear that you and I, we need new hearts because our heart is the key factor. Our heart is in control. James has actually given us a riddle that will not be solved until we get to the next chapter. But I would not be a very good teacher if I left us without an answer to this riddle. So I'm going to go to the 5th century for a quote to answer this riddle. Augustine, he explains that James does not say no one can tame the tongue, but that no man can tame the tongue. So when it is tamed, we admit that it was done by the mercy of God, the assistance of God, the grace of God. My friend, failures in our speech reflect the failures in our hearts. Our tongue is a frequent witness to the crimes that are going on in our hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9. And you and I, we cannot give ourselves heart transplants. Only God can. So, friend, when you see your tongue leading you down the wrong path, cry out to God, confessing your guilt, and trust that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And remember His promise in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, where God says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then live without fear, because God never disowns His children because of their stumbling. Yes, God hates the sin, but He loves the new creation in Christ you have become. Remember who you are and who you belong to. This episode is brought to you by Experian. Staying in shape isn't easy, except when it comes to your credit. Keep it strong with Experian Boost. It's the only way to raise your FICO score instantly and for free. 
And better credit scores can help you save money in lots of ways, like lower interest rates. Go to Experian.com slash boost or download the Experian app to get started. Results may vary. Visit Experian.com for details. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. I'm Nyla Boodoo. It's Wednesday, July 28th. Google is up, Apple is down, and we're focused on the future of Spotify. The new earnings report for Spotify was a mixed bag. The giant audio platform showed audience growth in the second quarter, but missed other projections, which sent its stock price tumbling. Three things to know. First, the good. Spotify had predicted it would add 6 million new subscribers this quarter, and it actually added 7 million. It currently has 165 million premium subscribers. Now the bad. Its month-to-month active users came in short of expectations. Even though that number is up 22% from last year, it's still short of what Spotify itself predicted. And the fallout. Wall Street, predictably, did not like those monthly user projections falling short. Trading at the opening bell had Spotify stocks down 8%. Spotify CEO Daniel Ek blames the pandemic for some of its losses, but points to strong overall numbers in major categories. So what does all of this mean for the future of one of the world's biggest music and audio streaming services? In just a moment, my colleague Dan Primack speaks with Spotify CEO Daniel Ek. This episode is brought to you by Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus. stream all your favorites with the Disney Bundle. Disney+, Plus has Loki and Luca. On Hulu, watch originals like American Horror Story and Nine Perfect Strangers, coming this month. And ESPN+, Plus has every match of Spain's thrilling La Liga. Get the Disney Bundle for only $13.99. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. See thedisneybundle.com for details. We're joined now by Daniel Eck, founder and CEO of Spotify. So, Daniel, Spotify was started and is best known as a music streaming service, but you've been investing a lot of money in podcasting, both individual shows and kind of enabling software. Why make such a big push in podcasting? It really started a few years back. And at the time of this, it was a market I visited in Germany where we'd been particularly successful. One of the things that struck me was that in the top chart of top music tracks ended up being all these audiobooks. And we had made no effort at that time to um, you know, make audiobooks available on Spotify, but because of Spotify being a large platform, people try to game the system and you started seeing music companies signing up audiobooks and trying to make them popular because we provided both an audience and we provided monetization. So that was the early innings of that insight. And then later on in that year, I was sitting through in some user insight studies that we were doing around the car and why no music app or no really streaming app were being that successful in the car. And obviously the friction in the car and all those things came up. But in particular, I thought it was really interesting uh, hearing consumers talk about it. And much of what they were saying was just, uh, look, I want to have my news uh, here as well. I want to see weather. I want to see traffic. I want to see all these things in order for me to switch from radio. And so it became pretty clear to me in order to succeed with our music mission, we probably had to be more than just music. 
one of the things that Spotify has said, and you guys even said a little bit in the earnings release today, is this idea that podcasts are a little bit stickier and, and bring people and keep people on the platform, make them more engaged. And it's something you've said about some of the exclusive shows, uh, Call Her Daddy, the Joe Rogan show that you guys have paid for. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you see internally that shows you that me listening to Rogan is going to keep me then listening to music later on Spotify rather than the other way around? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, and the natural thing would be, well, if you're introducing podcasts, surely that must be bad for music because it's going to steal sort of attention share. But actually what's ended up happening is uh, it's the other way around. The more we can get you to engage on the platform overall, the more you'll start to engage uh, with other forms of content too, including music. And it kind of speaks to this kind of inside around radio too, right? Like the reason why people were listening to radio in the car for some, it was music and they ended up listening to news and traffic as sort of a side product. And for some, they came for the news and weather, but stay, but then ended up staying for the music. And so we find that symbiosis between all of these content types to be really strong. And I suspect that even as you think going forward, as we're adding more types of content and people and creators are innovating around the types of stories that they tell on the platform, that it'll, it'll just add up and create even more stickier experience. Do you find that if you, say, have two shows with similar audience numbers, that if one is exclusive to Spotify and one isn't, that the exclusive show is stickier? The way it works, really, exclusives on Spotify serves a primary uh, purpose, and especially in this early days where podcast is still growing very rapidly, but being a relatively small percent of all overall listening on the platform. So exclusives is a great way for people to discover that podcast even exists on Spotify and to get people in the right uh, frame of mind. So what we find is, is that whether you're on Spotify already, but just listening to music or whether you're not even trying Spotify just yet, these exclusives drive people towards our platform and, and turn already existing music users to also podcast users. I'm going to ask you a quick lightning round about three shows, and then we'll move on to other things that you have as exclusives. One of the controversies over Rogan's show lately has been this question of, does Spotify have basically editorial responsibility for what is said on that show? Do you? Joe Rogan is just an, one out of 8 million creators that we have on the but platform. The best paid, but the best paid of all of those. Sure. But we have a lot of really well-paid rappers on Spotify, too, that make tens of millions of dollars, if not more, each year from Spotify. And we don't dictate what they're putting in their songs either. How did you get your mind around buying Call Her Daddy without getting the merchandising rights, which seems to be what Barstool got most of its money for? I, I don't actually know about the specifics about the deal uh, that we did, um, except to know that she's been a tremendously successful podcaster, both off the platform and now on the platform too, and off to a great start. One last one. Uh, it's been about a year since Spotify inked Kim Kardashian to do a podcast on criminal justice. Hasn't started airing yet. Should we expect to hear that? We should definitely. When is the, a great question that I don't know of either, but I'm hoping maybe later in the year. You know, you talked about how podcasting is still a small part of the business, both in terms of even though you guys have a, a lot of them on there. Do you imagine there is a time where on Spotify, in terms of listener hours, podcasting overtakes music or is it always still secondary to music? I suspect not uh, because, it, you know, again, if you look at Spotify as a parallel to radio, really, um, I, I look at it like what we're really competing against is 
uh, linear radio. And for me, it's so obvious that an on-demand personalized experience should win against linear radio. So that's the primary competitor. But looking at radio, uh, most of the listening on radio is still music, even though it has all of these other things. I'd be pleasantly surprised overall if podcasting became a very, very big thing in, on the size of music, but we suspect not. And music is still uh, our heart and where we came from. Uh, Spotify recently began introducing paid podcasts. Uh, ben Thompson of Stratechery has one. Uh, Apple's obviously doing something similar. Are we nearing the end of free podcasts available on all platforms? And it's going to start to look a little bit more like what we see in terms of streaming video? I don't think we're we're nearing the end of it. If anything, I suspect that media platforms in the future will have even more variability than what we've seen so far. So if you take a decade back and look at all media platforms, it's it's essentially been one or the other. Like either your YouTube and your ad-supported video as an example, and you do nothing else, or your Netflix and it's completely commercial free and it has to be no ads whatsoever and you pay a monthly fee and it's very clean. But then when you look at media businesses as they evolved historically, this used to be the case too with broadcasting versus cable, where cable was all paid, uh, no ads, and broadcasting was all ads. And then what it actually evolved to was this uh, combo in terms of both subscription income and advertising income too. And likewise, I, I look at this now and it's going to be even more emphasized because you have many different types of creators that will likely have many different types of, be in many different stages in their journey. So some creators are earlier and more nascent. For them, it probably makes a lot more sense to try to give away their content in order to build an audience. For other creators that has maybe not a large audience, but a very dedicated one, having a paid podcast may make a ton of sense. And for some, even the combo of both uh, may make a lot of sense uh, too. As an example, Ben Thompson, as you referenced, uh, thought it was really interesting. He has the paid newsletter being paid and some of his podcasts being freely available and now kind of uh, shifted towards bringing more and more um, behind the paywall too, but that's kind of how we started. So the podcasting was kind of the ads that drove uh, people to pay for for the text. And then some other creators are doing completely the opposite. They're giving away the text for free, but then charging for the podcasts. Um, I, I think we're going to get even more sophisticated and say, okay, well, for some users, here's some of the things behind the paywall, but also here's some of the content that's not. And th those are all things that we've launched in terms of paid podcasts, and I think it'll evolve even further. Do you imagine a future in which Spotify will have to pay podcast makers a royalty for each stream like you have to do on music? I don't think it's going to be a one-to-one -one in terms of the way it's been playing out in music, but I do think a larger degree of podcasters are going to be monetized and expect to be monetized. I think the most important thing is we're moving away from a one-size-fits-all to a much more complicated landscape where there's many more types of interactions between consumers and creators. If you think about it, like even, even in the past, most platforms didn't monetize for creators at all. There was no expectation that anyone made any money at all. Spotify, in fact, was one of the very few platforms where the expectation was always that, you know, if you're a professional creator, we want to pay you. And I think now, you know, with creator funds and all these platforms kind of leaning into it, we're all kind of waking up to a platform where being a creator on the internet is becoming a real thing and people are making a lot of money doing it. And if you're really good at what you're doing, you have a lot of opportunity to make a real living. And that's something we at Spotify are leaning into. And you're going to see many ways to monetize as a creator going forward.
Do you have any concern that you're starting to get into, a, particularly when it comes to exclusive shows, into a very expensive land grab against some very, very well-heeled rivals? I mean, Amazon, obviously, buying Wondery, you see what Apple's doing. And obviously, you have separate issues with Apple, but these are companies that have a lot of money. You do, too, but not as much. And, and you're kind of going against them, sometimes potentially for the same talent. Yeah, sure. I mean, the risk is obviously that prices go up for the creative talent that you go after. I think the important part, though, is... Yes, we do exclusives when it makes sense uh, for us and for the creators, but it is a relatively small part of what we do. I think the better way to think about Spotify is we are an open platform in audio, and we want to be the place where you come to to listen to audio. And the way we want to do that is by creating the most creator-friendly environment for creators to monetize. In some cases, that may make uh, sense to for us to buy some of the rights to make the content exclusive. For some creators, it's just providing you the opportunity to engage with your audience as you do on 10 other platforms and you want to play that game. And for some, it may mean that we will be your uh, rep on the advertising side and sell your advertising. And for some, it will be uh, you will bring your own page audience like Ben Thompson onto Spotify. We're actually okay either way. Uh, we believe that the most important thing here is the creator and building a great relationship while at the same time realizing that it's the constant balance and trade-off with consumer experience and expectations. Apple still dominates the podcasting space in terms of listens, even though you know the iPhone is still a, a minority of smartphone uses, both in the US and the globe. You guys have obviously gone after Apple in general for other what you've called anti-competitive practices. Is Apple's domination of the podcast market circumstance or is it a reflection of anti-competitive practices in this admittedly niche space? Let's remember where the word even podcast comes from. And it came from the invention of the iPod, well, what is it, 15, 16 years ago. So they certainly have a head start on us when it comes to growth. And they were even the inventors of the space to begin with. Now, when you look at Spotify across the world in many markets, we have actually already overtaken Apple and are the number one podcast player. So we're making great headways. I, I think we feel really good about the competitive space when it comes to podcasting. Our concerns with Apple isn't as a direct competitor on music or in podcasts, but more of them as a platform provider and creating a level playing field when it comes to how we can engage with users, how we can monetize our customers and provide more opportunities for the entire ecosystem. And that extends beyond Spotify, by the way. We think about that from the whole app ecosystem and many companies are joining the app coalition that we've been part of creating as well. Final quick question for you. A lot of people probably listen to this on Spotify. Can you give them one podcast and one music recommendation, something you've listened to in the last day or two that you've liked? So there's one podcast that I've been listening to by a friend of mine called Patrick O'Shaughnessy that has this podcast called Invest Like the Best. It's really interesting if you want to hear founder stories, if you want to hear a sort of just He's a great interviewer that talks to a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs. And then on the music side, hmm, I've listened to a lot of African music, dancehall music lately, so West African uh, music. Burna Boy is great. There's probably a bunch of others which we can cover lately, and maybe I can even share a playlist. Daniel Eck of Spotify, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Support for this podcast comes from AbbVie. Can't get to the bottom of your stomach issues? Having symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, oily stool, or unexplained weight loss? It might not be your stomach. It could be your pancreas. 
It could be exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI. It's a treatable condition where your body can't break down the food you eat. If uncovering the cause of your stomach issues has been challenging, talk to your doctor or visit identifyepi.com. Because even just one symptom could mean EPI. Welcome back. Here's what else we're watching today. It's been more than a year since protests broke out over statues and monuments. Confederate leaders, Christopher Columbus, even some Revolutionary War heroes were being questioned because of their links to slavery and genocide. In Chicago, Italian-American leaders are calling for the mayor to put the Christopher Columbus statue back up. It's been in a warehouse since violent protests erupted in July of 2020. Chicago's mayor has so far declined. But as many statues and monuments are being taken down, new ones are being put up, including in Chicago and Memphis, where new sculptures were just dedicated to the African-American journalist Ida B. Wells. It's part of this new era where we're still figuring out who gets to be honored and who shouldn't. Wells was a pioneer for Black journalists, fighting for civil rights until her death in 1931. She was also one of the founders of the NAACP, a social worker and educator. She was one of the most famous African-American women of her time. But what's surprising is how long it took for this monument. The bottom line, it's not easy to get a monument put up. On the next Axios Today, I'll speak with Ida B. Wells' great-granddaughter, Michelle Duster. We'll talk about her legacy and the long, complicated process to get a monument erected. And we're done. Big thanks to Recap's producers, Alexandra Boti, Justin Kaufman, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sukayara, who's our sound engineer. Have yourself a great National Water Park Day. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Most new smartphones are durable enough to get wet or take a short trip into water without failing. You've likely seen descriptions like water resistant or waterproof to a certain depth mixed with ratings like IP67 or IP68. But what that means, and more importantly, what your smartphone can actually handle, varies. IP stands for Ingress Protection Ratings, a set of standards put in place by the International Electrotechnical Commission. The numbers are protection levels against solid objects like dust, the second for liquid, and higher numbers are better. Samsung's Galaxy S21 Ultra is IP68 rated, so it can get submerged in a meter of water for 30 minutes. Apple's iPhone 12 Pro Max, also IP68 rated, but Apple says it's safe in six meters of water for 30 minutes. The difference in what the devices can withstand are up to the manufacturer, as the standard provides a minimum level of protection. Before you dip, dunk, or drop your phone into liquids, be sure to read the fine print. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson, Fox News. A lot of my friends basically went to work for the cartels right off the bat. Ed Calderon spent his career confronting Mexico's ruthless drug cartels face to face. Nightly raids on different houses and places where people were suspected of storing drugs. The former paramilitary law enforcement officer was born and raised in what he calls one of the most heavily trafficked cities on the planet, Tijuana. The vehicle carrying this man, the assistant chief of Tijuana's municipal police, sits riddled with bullets. Uh, he was found probably 12 hours later uh, with his uh, ID screwed into his forehead, tortured into death, basically. You know, it scared the out of all of us. <laughs> Ed acquired a set of unique survival skills that has earned him the nickname, the Sneak Reaper. 
a bag of tricks that makes special operators nervous and maybe even a little jealous. In exactly two minutes, I'm gonna start putting more restraints on you. Hurry the f up! One of his more signature strengths is teaching people how to avoid being kidnapped or how to increase your odds if you aren't as lucky. Everybody's capable of being dangerous at any time, even if they're handcuffed, even if they're bound. What makes you dangerous is your nature. In the alchemy of violence, narcos, reapers, and survival, Ed talks about facing the real Grim Reaper. We were uh, being targeted. People had eyes on us. And explains how his brushes with true violence have changed him and how he's used that alchemy to find and help others. Listen to the complete season of Alchemy of Violence on Fox News Podcast Plus starting July 12th. Fox News Podcast Plus is our new subscriber-based offering without commercials, includes bonus content, and exclusive shows like this one, exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Visit foxnewspodcast.com. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Fox on tech. Wireless provider T-Mobile is making more moves into the home-based internet market, announcing it'll provide fiber-optic-based internet service to a handful of residential buildings in Manhattan. The new service is in addition to the fixed wireless internet service it started offering earlier this year. The fiber service from T-Mobile will offer up speeds nearing one gigabyte up and down, include an Eero Pro 6 Wi-Fi router, and won't require an annual contract. There aren't details on pricing. T-Mobile won't be spending money ripping up streets and laying the fiber. Instead, it will use lines provided by Pilot Fiber, according to a release on the T-MobileFiber.com site, which also includes an availability checker for buildings in Manhattan. If your building doesn't have a connection, you can opt in for emails about service availability. When pushing regulators for approval to buy wireless provider Sprint, T-Mobile argued it would then offer competitive wireless home internet service. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson. Fox News. Listen to be part of the conversation with me, Brian Kilmeade. I'll talk about the biggest stories of the day and get your take along with some of the biggest newsmakers around. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Profile America, Wednesday, August 18th. Even in this internet world, many of us still receive printed catalogs through the mail. The first such catalog, more of a flyer, was sent out by Montgomery Ward on this date in 1872, and so today is National Mail Order Catalog Day. The first catalog consisted of only one page featuring 163 items for mail order purchase. By 1904, the Ward's catalog weighed in at 4 pounds. Montgomery Ward ceased producing its catalog in 1985, and the company itself eventually failed in the largest retail bankruptcy liquidation in American history to that time. But the home shopping business is still thriving. There are some 5,600 mail order and 31,000 electronic shopping establishments with a combined workforce of 415,000 people. You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov.
This concludes our podcast for today. Stick with us Monday through Friday and download it here through anchor.fm and the Anchor podcast free of charge through your Google Play Store. On behalf of us at SME, have a good one.